I was going to say you may be seated, but most of you are seated. All right. <laughs> All right. So there's an ancient story told about a thief who uh, stole this beautiful coat. The, the fabric was expensive. It had gold and silver buttons on it. And the thief was going to sell it for some money. And so he sold it, and he had the money. And, and one day, all the thieves were kind of together, and they were all talking about what they had stolen recently, whatever else thieves talk about. And one of, the, one of his fellow thieves said, So you got that coat, huh? That was a pretty good prize. Well, what'd you get for it? And he says, I got a hundred pieces of silver. And the other thief said, A hundred pieces of silver, that's all? And, 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 the, and the first thief said, I didn't know there was a number above a hundred. Okay, all right. Now, all that to say, um, vision is sometimes cut short when we don't take a look to see what we could be and what we could get. When you aim low, you're probably going to hit the lower mark. And so as a church, we want to be, we want to be the, 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 the full-sided thief. That's a terrible analogy. But that's who we want to be, right? We, we want everything God has for us. We want to be asking him for big things, not small things, all right? Because we know he's a great God, he's a big God, and he can do a lot. So why not ask for a lot? That's who we want to be as a church. So to do that, I want to look at a passage today that you're probably all very familiar with. You have notes in your bulletin. I'd, I'd invite you to look at those. You can turn to Ephesians 2. Um, or you can look on your bulletin notes, however you'd like to do this, because it's one verse. And it's, it's a very familiar verse. But I'll start actually in verse 8 to get the full uh, effect here. And, and a lot of you know this famous verse. Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So um, this passage, which I know most of you probably heard before, I think sets us up for what we want to be our theme for 2014. So um, the, the elders and deacons and I did a board retreat in November and we kind of talked about different things in the church that we think we need to be working on. And as, as I was trying to put those different things together, it looked like a theme that would kind of came out of all that is created to serve. That, that we as a church are created by God to serve, to bless other people. And in fact, Ephesians 2.10 is also our uh, memory verse for the month. So I'd be to ask you to just memorize the thing. Just, just memorize it. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's not very hard. If that's not hard enough for you, you can keep Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and 10, then you can have the whole thing, right? You know, that, that would be really good if you need a better challenge. But that's what we're looking at. So I just want to talk about three things we see in this verse and then some initiatives that flow out of that that the board talked about and came up with. So um, here it is. Uh, number one, and this is in your notes, we don't serve to be saved, but we are saved for service. You've got to cross out one of the words in your notes there because I decided I didn't like the way I worded it. Um, two days of sermon prep will do that. But um, 
this is we don't serve to be saved, but we are saved not to serve, but we are saved for service. Now, now, there's a big difference between the word to and for. Now, being saved to serve would mean uh, I am saved in order that I serve. And that's true. But I think the verse goes a little bit further, Ephesians 2.10, when it says um, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, um, what you have in your bulletin is actually the English Standard Version, which is a little more literal. And so look at that, look at that version if you have it. And, and I think Jim can put that up there, too. Um, can you get Ephesians 2.10, the one that I have in the notes there? Yeah, here it is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for a certain purpose. So our life has meaning. Our life has value. And one of the things that we're supposed to be doing when you're saved is serving. That's a purpose for your life. That that gives your life meaning. So, um, but to back up, if we look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. A lot of us know those verses. We can quote those verses. We grew up in Sunday school hearing those verses. Um, we love the fact that we are saved, but we're saved for a purpose, for, for a reason. And the reason is service. Folk theology... Is, is a term that's been used to describe uh, kind of like common, everyday, popular beliefs, okay? Not necessarily biblical, but just, just like pop culture. This is what our society believes. Folk theology often gets this wrong. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I was watching uh, just the other day. I was, well, I was actually listening. We were in the car, and we had on the movie Home Alone 2, right? And, of course, Kevin gets lost again, this time in New York, and his parents are off in some other place. And, and he doesn't know where he's at, and he finds out he's in New York City, and he's walking around. And he meets a woman in the park. You remember that? And, and, and I, I get what the movie's trying to say. You shouldn't judge a book by the cover. She's like a lower-class woman, and she's feeding birds. She's not dressed nice. She probably smells. And, and, and they're trying to say, you shouldn't just look at her and say, oh, she's scary. She's a real person. Uh, besides the fact that that's a terrible example in talking to strangers, but but let's put that fact aside, okay? And let's say that it's okay to talk to strangers, even though it's not kids. She's talking to Kevin, and they're having this conversation, and she says, did you know that one uh, that a good deed wipes out a bad deed? Now, that is folk theology. That, that's just common every day. Most people think that if they're good people, they're going to get to go to heaven when they die. Most people, a lot of people believe in an afterlife. They believe in a heaven, and they believe that if you're good, you get to go there. So kids, this is for you. Okay, this, this point's for you. It's not true. It, nothing could be further from the truth. Good people don't get to go to heaven. It, it, it's people that believe in Jesus that get to go. Okay? I mean, that's the biblical teaching. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you could work and be saved, then you'd have a reason to boast before God. In other words, you could stand before him and say, God, I deserve to go to heaven because I've been a good person. I've been good enough. And that would be just as ridiculous as me. Well, let's say I got to have lunch with uh, LeBron James. We all know who he is, right? You know, Miami Heat, great basketball player. Some of you probably have his jerseys, you kids, right? I think I've seen a few jerseys of his around here. Um, let's say I had lunch with him, and I said, 
I can't wait for you to see how good at basketball I am. That'd be a joke, right? I mean, he would laugh because it would be a joke. And if I was serious and I said, really, I do want to show you how good I am. I think in one-on-one I could do pretty good. It'd be a joke. And that would be just as ridiculous, Derek, listen. It'd be just as ridiculous as us standing before God and saying, God, I've been a good person. You ought to let me in. Because you're saying it to perfection, right? You're saying it to not a good God. More than that, he's a holy God. He's never been tempted by sin. He's never messed up. And you and I have on a daily basis. And so there's no going before him to boast. That doesn't work. You ever see, sometimes they do this on YouTube too. I watch these videos sometimes where you've got, uh, you've got people that, uh, like really good high school basketball players, and, and, and they get like in contact with a NBA player, but not like a really good one like LeBron James, but like a lower class NBA player, you know, one of the lower, like just a journeyman, you know, just someone just, just doing the thing, playing the games, and they kind of think, I'm the high school superstar, I can take you on, and, and, and they do one-on-one, and they just get schooled, you know? I mean, they think they have a chance, because maybe their team won some sort of high school championship. They think they have a chance, because this is a lower class NBA star, right? Lower class. And they realize even the lowest of the low are so much better. There's some videos out there like that. I like watching those. Um, we, we stand before God if we don't stand a chance without the forgiveness of Christ. On the cross, God said, I'll crucify your sins with Jesus, and I'll give you Jesus' righteousness. So if God gives you Jesus' goodness, you look pretty good. And then, and then, you can be with God forever. Um, if this is an interesting topic or one that maybe you're new to the church here and you're like, well, what is up with that? I, I decided I start going to church and I've never heard this kind of idea before. Um, Andy Stanley wrote a book called How Good is Good Enough? It's a great little book, less than 100 pages. If it's something that you would like to read more about, just come up to me after church. I have two copies, so I'd love to give them both away. Or if you know someone that you think would read this, like a neighbor or a friend that you've had this conversation with, and you're like, man, I've always wanted to put something in their hands. This is a good book. How good is good enough? All Andy Stanley does is he kind of just says, you know, let me just tell you how ridiculous it is to think that we're good enough to go to heaven, to have a relationship with God. Let me just point out how ridiculous that is. And it is. So we are saved for service. We're not saved by service. You can't merit salvation. If you've been working hard for a lot of years, just stop and rest in Christ. That's what God's telling you today. Now, for those of you that have known that forever, those of you that know that forever, there's more here. There's more here. Number two, if we talk the talk, we had better walk the walk. Okay, if we talk the talk, we better walk the walk. If we know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and we know all about being saved by grace, and we love the fact that Christ died for us, and we're reminded of that every month during communion, it's wonderful beyond words. But if we talk like we get that, then we better walk like we're truly saved. Because how this is worded is, and if you look again at the English Standard Version, can you pull that up again, that very first Ephesians 2.10 on the notes? Uh, Jim, if you could pull it. Yeah, there it is. Uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to four good works, which God prepared beforehand. And then here's the literal translation. It's a little different than NIV. 
that we should walk in them. Not that we should do them, but that we should walk in them. Walking. Walking is pretty simple. You know, you get up in the morning, you walk to the bathroom, you walk back to the bedroom, get dressed, you walk to the breakfast table and have your breakfast, then you walk out to the car and you get in and you go to work. We we, we just walk. That's what we do. If you have legs, you walk. It's normal. And when Paul uses the word walk in Ephesians, he uses it in a very, like, this is normal. This should be your life. This is the way you should be, the way you should live. Uh, Can we get the next Ephesians passage? Uh, Let me give you some examples of how Paul uses the word walk. Ephesians 2.2. You once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that would be the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It's like, so, so once you just live like a non-Christian. You, you lived according to Satan's ways and the world's ways. It was normal. It was everyday life. The way that you thought, the way that you talked, the way that you acted, it was in, in control by Satan. And it just seems so normal to you. Sometimes we're shocked by how the world lives but to them, it's just so normal. I always do that when I go. I go to Redbox and get a movie, you know, and I'm looking at the different movies you can check out, and sometimes you look at the covers and you go, who would watch that? Like, literally, who would watch that? Like, who would say, that's a good idea, I'm watching that tonight? You know, I don't even have to give you examples of what I'm talking about because you know what I mean. Like, who would do that? But I'm telling you, for other people, it's just like, of course. It's like breathing. It's walking. It's normal. Okay, Ephesians 2.2. Next one, please. Ephesians 4.1. So Paul says, Therefore I urge you, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I just want you to walk worthy. I just want you to to, to just do life in a completely different way than the way you used to. It's a worthy sort of way. Next verse, please. Ephesians 4.17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. He's like, they have these useless thinking habits. The way that they think, they say, this is just how I am. This is just what I do. You can't change me. This feels good, so I do it. Whatever those things that people say that are excuses for bad behavior that breaks the commands of God. And we hear these excuses every day. We hear them on sitcoms. We hear them on the news. We hear them at our workplaces. We hear them from our neighbors. It's just the way they think. And Paul says, it's useless. Don't walk like that. Don't walk like that. Because the way that you walk starts with the way that you think. And if you're thinking in a useless way, making excuses, you're going to be walking that way too. Next verse. He says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, Paul says, I'm going to give you the supreme example of love and say I want you to walk like that every day. Every day is about love. Every single, this is what we do. I mean, people ought to look at us and say, you're the most loving person I know. I don't understand what it is about you, but it's just 24-7 love. It's just the way that you walk. It's like a breath we love. We love neighbors. We love friends. We love enemies. We love bosses, coworkers. We love everybody. We just love. Because that's the way we walk. We just walk like that. Next verse. For at one time you were darkness... Now you are light 
in the Lord, walk as children of light. A light ought, usually means like to be informed about something, to be uh, knowledgeable, to have some sort of spiritual insight into something. Now you have light. Now you know better, so walk like that. Let what you know impact your daily life. So there it is. There's walk in the book of Ephesians. Oh, we got one more. Ephesians 5.15. That's one short. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, going back to the verse at hand, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Serving should be just what we do every single day. It just should be a way of life. We serve. It's just who we are. We can't help but do it. We can't help but look for chances to serve other people. A selfish Christian, that should be an oxymoron, okay? And unfortunately, I think we all know selfish Christians. I'm glad there's none in this room, though. But, um, and, and I've been there, too. I mean, it's like I, I get in these patterns of life's more about me. But a selfish Christian, that ought to be an oxymoron. It just, it just should not be who we are. We should be selfless, looking at other people, saying, what can we do when we hear of a need we should be thinking what can i do to help that's just who i am i walk in that i breathe that i live that that's me so if we talk the talk i'm saved then we better walk the walk i serve okay and finally number three i love this i just love this we are ready to walk you are ready to walk so if there's newer christians in the room or some that just don't know what they're good at and i remember feeling this way when i was in high school in particular like what am i really good at how am i supposed to serve what am i personally good at you ask those questions and you start to doubt that you're ready to do anything significant for the lord but Ephesians 2 says, you're ready to walk. Okay, you, you know how in the Christian faith, uh, we talk about this big word called sanctification? Sanctification is a big word that just means grow spiritually. You look more like Jesus. Like this year, you should be growing, and you should be further along than you were last year. I think for some Christians, they can even have a spiritual regression where you like, you like lose, you know, lose your, your progress and go backwards. I think that happens too sometimes. But we should all be becoming more sanctified. And, and we all kind of know, I think in the church we talk a lot about, we need to be growing, we need to be growing, we need to be growing. And we do. That's part of our mission statement. That growth, that, that, that understanding of growing shouldn't be applied to completely, that is, to service. If you understand what I'm saying here. It's not that you're not ready to serve and you're not gifted to serve and you can't serve. It's that you are God's workmanship, right? You know, like God, when you got saved, God built spiritual gifts into you. Your workmanship. There, there's a sense, and, and, and go with me here. I mean, I'm trying to be careful how I say this. You're created, past tense. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The, the workmanship in a sense, is not done, but it kind of is done when it comes to serving. Like, like you're ready right now. You're ready right now. Like, no excuses. You can't do the Moses thing and say, I, I can't talk, I can't, I just... I. No, you're, you're ready right now to serve. 
Now, there's a few big cautions since I just said that. Uh, caution number one is you can't just do anything. You know, like God gave you gifts. And if you're tone deaf, I don't really want you leading us on the stage. You know, it, it's okay for you to sing as loud as you can and drive the person next to you crazy. That's okay. You should do that. That's a joyful noise. But I probably won't give you a microphone up here to lead all of us because then all the people that are already tone deaf will get even worse. You know, we'll be even worse shape. And I'm borderline. I don't want that. No, I'm all, I do okay. Um, so it doesn't mean you should do anything. In fact, one of the hardest things in ministry, I'm telling you, I'm just, my heart's out here right now. One of the hardest things I think any leader has to do is sit down with somebody and say, I don't think this is your gifting. That's a hard thing to say. But, but all, that, all that person is really saying is, I'm not sure that God has given you this gift. And so it's on him, not on me. That's a hard conversation to have. I've had that conversation. It's painful. It's pa- it hurts. But it's necessary because everyone is supposed to walk a life of service, and there's an area that you can serve in. Uh, one of the things we, talking on the board, you know, we, we talked together and like we were talking at the board retreat, like how do we, how do we get people excited about serving, people that haven't served in a while? How do, we, how do we get people spurred on in this, you know? And I think every church is asking this question. Every church that I've been a part of and seen leadership ask this question, how do we pull people in to serve? And one of the things... I love how we talk about this is that there's some things that anybody can do. Anybody can do. Anybody, when it comes to like, if you have arms and legs, you can help someone move from their house. You know, someone puts the word out. If someone needs a ride to the hospital and they go on the table, which you should all get on the table, that's our social online uh, deal for the church. Um, if someone gets on the table and says, I need a ride to my doctor's appointment, I can't get there on my own, there should be a whole lot of you that have driver's license in this room right now. And you could actually pick that person up and drive them. It only requires a driver's license and a car. If you're not a good driver, then forget it. Please, you know, don't do that. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. There are some things that any of us could do. Anybody can do. When we did the Honey Rock cleaning day last last year in May, I was in Uganda, so I wasn't here for that. But it's like most of us know how to pick up a rag and clean. We, we can do that. We can do that. There are some things that you probably need a certain spiritual gift to do it well, right? Teaching. You probably need a gift to do well. A musical ability. You probably should have that to do it well. Construction, right? <laughs> Not all of us are good at that. You probably need a gift to do that well. So all that to say, though, you're ready to walk. You are ready to take those steps and like a toddler, you'll move forward. Gravity will do the rest of the work for you. Ever seen a kid start to walk, you know? I mean, it's like they're up, right? And, and, if, and they kind of lean forward, right? You know, and then suddenly you're going, right? And it's like either you move your legs or you're going to fall like that. That's a toddler for you. Either I'm going to start moving the legs or I'm going to be falling. Gravity just takes over. I love it. And that's kind of us. You know, for some of you that are not serving in the church much, let gravity take over. God made you to do this. You can do it. You can do it. You were made to do it. Time to try out the arms and the legs. 
Okay. Um, that's also one, one other caution. I said I'd, caution number one is you can't do everything or anything. There's certain things that you're gifted to do. And the second thing I would say about that is um, training is always important. Training's always important, you know. Uh, I, I did internships. Uh, I, I was like the supervisor of interns at the last church I was at, and I was a youth pastor, so I'm working with a youth interns. And one of the things they all got to do for their internships is they got to teach. They got to get up in front of those kids and they got to teach. Sometimes it's painful, you know. Sometimes it's painful, but you'll never get better unless you do it. And some of those some of those students. They knew they were called to teach. One of them is actually working at, at Treehouse Ministries in uh, Minneapolis, working with inner-city at-risk kids. And he's got to teach weekly, you know. He's got to get up there. So, you know what? Getting up in front of my youth group doing that, I, I don't remember how he did. I just know that anybody, when they first start teaching, it's kind of rough. But you got to do it. you got to do it if you're going to get better. So there's an element of training, practicing. That all goes in, in, in with it, but... You walk. You're not running a race maybe yet, but you're walking. Okay, I want to close off this message. Uh, we are going to spend uh, February. I'm going to hold off on Revelation. We're going to finish that a little bit later this spring. But I said spring, yes. <laughs> um, February, um, we're just going to devote to looking at this serving idea more. Uh, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts we're going to talk about what church membership is about, that this idea of being in the church and serving in the church, that's what we want to do in February, okay? Um, three initiatives that the board came up with for this year that they go along with this created to serve theme. Uh, they're in your bulletin. I highly recommend you look at them. They're on the back side of the, of the, um, of the sermon handout. Because I'm only going to give you the, the main statement. If you want to look at the sub points, they're in the, they're in the handout. So, Number one of the three initiatives for this year. Um, our church, I believe, needs to equip and empower every member for service. We need to do really good at getting people connected to ministries. We need to do really, really good at that. Better at it. To do that, subpoints. if you're looking at the sheet, we want to create a database of spiritual gifts and abilities that are represented in this church. We would like to have a list of, there's, there's Jim, he's a member. What can Jim do? You know, what spiritual gifts does he have? And just have that in front of us. And that way, ministry leaders can look at a list and say, okay, these are members of our church. They say, they're saying that they're all in, members at Three Lakes. Here's what they can do. Maybe we'll call on them and ask them about this or that opportunity, you know. I think that's an important part of what we do here at church. We need to know what we can do in order to get things done better. Okay? And if you're members, this is kind of like what we expect for everybody. Um, so um, we are sending out a letter. You should get it in a week or two. And the letter is basically going to say what I've said this morning. And uh, it will say, would you list your spiritual gifts? Would you tell us what you're good at? And we'd like to create that database for that purpose. Okay. Um, also, under the bullet points, we'd like input from you, the congregation, how we can increase our service in the community and at church. Just want input. So we might be doing some of that at the next congregational meeting. Just, just talk back to us. What needs do you see? Where can we better impact this community for Christ? Because you're in the community. You see what's going on. You have a lot of eyes on things. We need to hear about that. 
Um, the next bullet point there is we will connect every new member to a ministry. I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer. If you take the membership class, that's the perfect time to take the ministry interest survey and say, what am I interested in doing? So all the members that went through uh, last year, they took the ministry interest survey, and our goal is to move them into places of service in the church. Okay? And then lastly, we'll provide training for our servants. I think training has to happen. In other words, if you want to be um, part of a visitation team, you know, Sue Allward's our deaconess of visitation. And you say, I want to do that with you, Sue. Um, what kind of training do you need to do that well? We've got to train people. Because you might know how to have a conversation and, and talk to someone that's a shut-in, but what kind of training would help you go the next step to get better at it? I think training's an important part of this. So that's initiative one. Initiative number two is, I think our church needs an entry-level program for discipleship. We've had a lot of people, you know, look up at me or raise their hands in the last year saying, I want to be part of this thing. I, I want to be a Christian. I want to believe in Jesus. Um, what's the next step for them? And I think we need a regular program saying, well, th- this is the next step. We have this class available for you. It's this small group that's just designed as an entry-level thing, like a Bible one-on-one. You want to know what this is about? This is where you go. Okay, so we've got to recruit a leader or maybe plural leaders that have a heart for discipleship that love new believers, that love taking biblical truths and making them easily understandable to get to really just the basics. And maybe you're hearing that and going, I feel like that's me. Well, then you should talk to me about it, okay? I think that's going to be very important. How are we discipling new believers? And how are we just, I mean, all of us sometimes, you know, you give your car a tune-up. A lot of times in the faith, I've heard people that are mature in the faith say to me, I would love to go to a class like that just to remind myself of the basics. The basics aren't bad. We all need those reminders. So it would be for anybody, really. And then the goal would be to transition those people from that class, that Bible 101, to a community group. That would be the transition. Now, since I mentioned community groups, lastly, number three, our church needs to strengthen its community groups. We need more of them. We need them doing really well so that if new people are here and we're saying you should be in a community group, but which ones are available? What new ones do you have starting? That's a need in this church. Um, so we will continue to promote community groups as the primary way to grow in Christ together. The key word there, and I think in that sentence, is together. Okay, Because you can grow by yourself. You can open up your Bible, read it, do your devotions, and be maturing in the faith, spend time praying to God, That's all good. You can do that with your family. It's all good and vital. But there's also something very important about the relational church together growing. That's community groups. That's what we want to do. Okay? So um, we're going to offer a leaders training class seminar for new community group leaders. So if you say, you know, I'd like to lead a community group. I don't know how to do it. Uh, What if I get hard questions? How do I do this? Um... I'd like to answer a lot of that stuff in a class. So that's coming up. You'll see that soon in the bulletin. We want to promote new groups beginning this summer and fall. So let's do some training this late winter and spring, promote some new ones for summer and fall. Okay? And I would love to see a volunteer step up to lead this important ministry. I'd love to see someone say, you know what? I love community groups. I would love to just eat, breathe, live that ministry. And I'm betting there's someone in this church 
that that is a passion in their heart. Or even, even hearing about it does something. I'd like to see a point person for that. So, um, Those are three things I think our church would do well at, uh, that the board has felt like our church should be emphasizing this year. That's what we're doing. If you have more questions about how that all looks and works out, you can talk to board members. They'd love to talk to you. I will talk to you more about that. You'll be hearing more about it in the coming weeks. February, we're going to hit this hard, too. So I am very excited about what God's doing here. 2013 was kind of a blast. You know, I'm running out of time, but I, I wanted to say I'm so thankful for so many things God has done. You know, he gave us a new youth pastor in Andrew Glenn. I think he's an excellent, excellent man of God. Loves students, loves the word. I mean, God's doing a lot of cool stuff here. I think I'll, next week we'll talk a little bit more about praises, but I got a lot of praises, too, about what he's done in 2013. And I hope that you're thinking about that, too. As we talk about needs, we should also be looking back and saying, God, you've done so much. You've been so good. You've been so faithful. So I want to pray for us. I invite the worship team to come back up, and let's sing one more song. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Uh, God, you've done so much. And we're so thankful for who you are and what you're doing here in Three Lakes. I mean, we, like every other church, should be saying, who are we? Who are we? that people get saved here, that people get baptized here, that people learn the truth of your word. I mean, who are we? And yet we can answer that by saying, we're your servants walking in what you've called us to do. That, that's all that we are. At the end of the day, we don't get praise. You get the praise because you saved us. You gave us gifts and abilities. You called us to serve you. We're so thankful that we, the church, are the main plan that we're your A game. You know, that's amazing. So many things you could just do on your own, God, and that you call us to do it. We're humbled by that. And we know that you've entrusted us with a great task to evangelize this community, to grow in our faith, to serve other people. May we carry that mission out well in 2014. In Jesus' name, amen.